but there are some factors, five factors, that make all of those expressions, Nazism, communism, and, uh, total and fascism, totalitarian. Number one, they're usually all led by a dictator. They are anti-democracy. They are anti-free speech. Totalitarians are also extremely anti-individual. And finally, totalitarian governments are pro-surveillance. From the Mecca Mormonism, Salt Lake City, Utah, this is Heart of the Matter, where we're learning together how to walk as Christians in the age of fulfillment. I'm your host, Sean McCraney. Let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, we uh, pray for all those who are tuning in now or in the archives. Uh, we pray for those who are seeking truth, and we pray for uh, the rest of the world and nation that uh, it will come to know you in spirit and truth. We pray for uh, uh, Mags and Seth and Wendy and and all their work to get the program out and to keep this going and, and, uh, and everybody else who has their hand in the ministry. We love you and seek you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm wearing these glasses because I stare at the screen so much during the week. I'm getting headaches from the glare. Plus, these bright lights above me aren't helping. So uh, those of you who are going to comment, don't comment on them. I'm wearing them for that reason. I'm not becoming more like Jim Jones. It, they're just glasses. And this is the reason I'm wearing them. Over the past few months, I've had an increasing number of friends and contacts from the Christian community uh, contact me who are all wrapped up in our recent presidential elections. It's really interesting uh, because I never talk about politics with people. I, I, I mean, it's just not something I engage with. If, if, it's, if it's a topic, I might make a comment or two, but it's not my thing. And yet, um, this past month, especially, people have been overtly intrusive on my mind and time with political commentary. Now, we have long established a stance in this ministry that if you're a believer led to be in politics, praise God, be in politics, do what you do. But if you're a believer who uses your faith in politics, to get other people to vote for you, meaning I'm a Christian, vote for me. I think you're missing the mark because I don't think Jesus did this or his apostles. And he clearly pointed out, uh, in one place at least, that his kingdom was not of this world. So that's always been our stance. And I've spoken and written about this topic repeatedly. And I maintain that if God has not called you to serve in political opinion, uh, a position, not opinion, but has called you to be a son or daughter, that attention to politics as a Christian, um, it is going to probably take more time away from you and your life and walk than you're really going to want when you look back upon it. I really, I, I think that. I think it gets us, like many things, to take our eyes off the goal and the object of, of being on this earth, and that is the kingdom of God. Now, I know everyone disagrees with that. We got somebody in the cage right now. This woman, man, she talks, Paula. I love her to death. This is her thing. And for some people, it's that way. It's okay. But, man, when it comes to being a Christian, I just think we would do better to just kind of step aside, let those things run, 
Just my opinion. I know most people disagree with me. Most Christians disagree with me on this too. But all the people who contacted me about the presidential elections were insistent on promoting President Trump. Every one of them, I'm, I'm just talking about the election here. I'm not getting into the politics of it. President Trump, so much uproar, so much angst in their minds and, and fear and, you know, some, some anger and hate a little bit and turmoil, very little faith, very little faith, a tremendous amount of self-flesh and, and the strength of men. And online, I, I was told about statements that said, like, if you're a Christian, vote, you vote for Trump. And, and, uh, or President Trump, the only Christian vote. And I, it's, just, uh, it's just against my being a Christian that Christ and Christian is used in association with any uh, president. If someone said, vote Biden if you're a Christian, I would be, this is not against Trump or anything else. It's just against the principle. Why say if you're a Christian, you must do this? That really just irritates me. So, uh, now the dust has apparently settled. Wendy doesn't think so, but the dust has settled. The results are in. What was it? 290 to 214 electoral votes, apparently. Uh, it's settled. And what's happened? Nothing. One of the most ardent voices for Donald, President Donald Trump in my ear upon hearing that he had lost, I said, so what does that mean to you? And she said, I'll just keep living the way I always have. And isn't that the way it is? Isn't that the way it is? And so a Christian lives the way they always have by the Christian principles that they believe in. We could put Mao in the presidential office and I'm still going to live the way I always have. I might not live in the same environment, but my heart and mind aren't going to change. So I, I just want to point that out, that this is my point. Christians keep living like they always have. When Obama was in office, yeah, well, he did do a couple things that did affect because of health care, but... I mean, I pretty much live the life I do now. When President Trump is in office, I'm living the life I do now. And with Biden in office, I live the life I do now. If circumstances change, fine, but that doesn't remove the kingdom that is within me. And it doesn't remove the kingdom that is within you. And that's the point. Why focus on another kingdom when the kingdoms that we really should focus on and live for are within us and will be, we will be part of after this life? So I think that, that politics within the faith have done more good, I mean, done more harm than good. And I think that every time someone puts something, if someone posted something like, if you're a good Christian, you have to vote for Biden, I think they do a great disservice to the faith. And I've always said that. It shames me in the past. It shames me today. And I had to just speak on that tonight. Because I have for the past few weeks stepped in and used the principles of classical liberalism as the desired standard for the faith and my justification for being a Christian anarchist as a means to get back to true classical Christian liberalism, I want to use our show tonight and take out another, take a look at the faith through another comparison 
And that is through a word called totalitarianism. I want to examine the faith through the word totalitarianism as it is assigned to governments. And um, we have a lot of words that are thrown around. And, and recently, in the past year or two, we have seen these words thrown around in the political environment of America. Words like uh, communist and socialist, democracy, fascist, totalitarian, Nazi, cult, and so on. These words are uh, all catchphrases that have spread like COVID-19. But again, I'm told that's, this isn't real either. So, <laughs> But let me take these few terms and explain them as a means to help us see our faith, the term totalitarianism. So I just want to I want you to see totalitarianism right here between my hands, writ large, totalitarianism, right? And underneath totalitarianism, uh, we have uh, the definition of what that means in a government. The government in a totalitarian government takes control of everything. They take control of labor. They take control of the economy, of religion, of education, of the media, they take control of the family, everything. That's why we get the name, total, totalitarianism, and the government's in charge. And so they have their hand in everything. When it comes to religion, we see the overall impact of totalitarianism kind of on a scale, right? And so Waco, Texas, David Koresh, uh, Jonestown, Jim Jones, totalitarian religion to the max. Everything was controlled, everything in those cult-like groups. And from this, you kind of work your way down incrementally. Perhaps a key to uh, uh, assign, a key term to assign to religion when it comes to totalitarianism would be the words orthodox or might be the word fundamental. When someone says, I'm a fundamental this or I'm an orthodox that, that usually lends more to a church that falls under the realm of totalitarianism in the faith. And so Muslims in some, you know, Orthodox or, uh, or fundamentalist Muslim or Orthodox Presbyterians. Uh, I know someone who's of that ilk. Uh, fundamentalist Mormons, uh, Orthodox Jews. The more totalitarian the religions are, the more they fit those terms, orthodox or fundamental. So, um, and as religions loosen their grip on their people and the different elements of their life, then they become less totalitarian and not totalitarian at all. I mean, if you're not a totalitarian, then you're not. If you are, then you are. So it's not like there's degrees of it. Uh, so, um, to break it down even further and to make it more confusing, within government, totalitarianism can be seen in a few ways, but they're all totalitarian in general. And so perhaps we could see totalitarianism in government like we see the Trinity. And, and what I mean by that is there are three separate expressions, there's maybe more, but there's three that I can think of, all sharing one similar principle totalitarianism. Those three expressions 
are Nazism, the Nazis, communism, communists, and fascism. Okay? So underneath totalitarianism, you have communists, Nazis, and fascists. Now, they're used interchangeably, wrongly interchangeably, especially fascists and Nazis. Those are often used interchangeably, interchangeably but they're not the same. Okay? I'm not going to get into uh, how to define that. For our purposes, it will take me the whole show to go through and explain the differences between uh, communist totalitarianism, Nazi totalitarianism, and fascist totalitarianism. But there are some factors, five factors, that make all of those expressions, Nazism, communism, and, uh, and fascism, totalitarian. And here they are. Number one. They're usually all led by a dictator and often a dictator that is charismatic and the dark side. Stalin, very dark soul. He's a communist. He was a dictator, a totalitarian communist. Mussolini was a dictator. He's a fascist. And of course, Hitler, he's a, a, of the Nazi party. He is a Nazi. And so under totalitarianism, you have a charismatic leader and they're usually, not usually, they're without exception, are of the dark nature in my estimation. They kill people, all right? They are anti-democracy, which means the people that they are over do not have a say in what occurs or anything about it. They are anti-free speech. So they, they not only don't have a say to Hitler or to Stalin, they, totalitarians, are against free speech among the people, right? So, uh, and they impose severe punishments on people who disobey them, like Pol Pot and, and people like that. They uh, are totalitarian. They uh, take away free speech and they kill you if you speak out of turn. This is totalitarianism. Totalitarians are also extremely anti-individual, uh, meaning that everything is for the greater good. Everything is for the cause, for the nation. And finally, totalitarian governments are pro-surveillance, and meaning they monitor what people say and do that are under them. So, let's take all this information, let's take those five factors about totalitarianism, and let's look at religion. And our institutionalized religions, hold them up, hold the one you attend or one that you like, and let's look to see if they have any similarities to totalitarian governments. The more similarities that exist between totalitarian governments and an institution of religion, the more totalitarian the church is. So, it goes without saying I'm adamantly opposed especially being a classical uh, Christian liberal, I adamantly opposed any form of totalitarianism, any expression or any of those five things. I oppose them greatly. So first, because it's in direct conflict with classical liberalism that Jesus established when he gave his life for the sins of the world, I am against it. I'm against totalitarianism because uh, Isaiah is prophesied that he came to set the captives free. There's no freedom in totalitarianism. There's none, because everything's being decided for you. So, 
Look at the religious empires around you or look at the place that you're actually part of and kind of ask yourself first, under the first category, is my pastor a dictator? And going back to the principles of anarchy, is your pastor, can he justify his authority? Which we talked about in weeks past. Are your pastor's teachings held up to scrutiny or are they deemed supreme? And what he says has to be kept. Is he unapproachable? Uh, do you have access to him if you're part of the common riffraff in the congregation? I know a church within a stone's throw from here where the pastor right after the services disappears into his office. And you can only gain access to him by uh, getting these appointments that are set up weeks in advance. You know, he doesn't go out and, and mingle with the riffraff. He has to be approached in a different way. Does he have a special clique of insiders? They're all on the inside, you know, and they have real access to him, but nobody else does. Does he give all people liberty to him? Does he or she support your personal freedoms? Does he or she love you and accept you as you are, including your thoughts and opinions that differ with them? Does he treat people equally who do not give money to the church? Does he treat people who don't have money the same way he treats the, the well-healed? If you're at a church that have people who have a lot of money, do you see him treating them, uh, referencing them preferentially? hanging with them, going to dinner with them, but not with the poor and the outcast. How does your pastor and staff respond to the group as a whole? Is there any give on what goes on? Is it uh, or is it his way or the highway? Okay. Can you disagree with him on an important thing and still be welcome in the church? See, in a totalitarian government, you can't, you can't disagree. There's no free speech. And if you do disagree, you're going to be killed. Well, same thing with the church. If there's, a, if there's a tenet or doctrine and you're part of the church, especially if you're part of an Orthodox faith, you're part of uh, Presbyterian Orthodoxy, and you say, I, I think your idea of hell is wrong. I don't believe in it. You're going to be disinvited to that church. In the end, gone. Because it's totalitarian. And that leads us right into the hatred totalitarians have for free speech. And um, remember the book burnings of fascist Germany. And uh, look at, looking back at Mormonism, you know, even today, uh, just a few years ago, their apostles are telling their believers in a general conference to not get on the internet, to not look at, at things that question and cause problems. That's totalitarian government in the church. And, and then you have certain books that you're banned from reading. Uh, when I was a kid, you could only uh, teach out of their manuals and you could only read certain books and not all of them had to be printed by the church. That's totalitarianism. And uh, that's just an aspect of it. See, um, you have to remember that God wants us to love him with all. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your mind, right? So religions fear what people read and what causes them to think. They don't want you to do that. They want you to read their literature, believe what the pastor teaches, conform to what they say, and keep your speech uh, limited to support for those things. 
religions fear it. God wants us to love him with all of our mind and soul and our, and our, and our heart. Mind, that means you, your mind has to agree so your mind has to grow. I personally think that those seeking for truth, there's no danger in whatever you read so long as your heart is seeking to uh, be aligned and allegiance to God through Christ. You don't have to fear anything, anything that you read. It will only expand your horizons on what you think. And there's great honor in it. Search everything by the Spirit. Every now and then a book will come out and it brings out the totalitarianism in churches. And it's really funny. Remember the Dan Brown book series? I forget what they were called. And the Harry Potter series? And the shack. And there's this uproar among all the pastors. They shouldn't be reading that. Oh, shut up. Read all of it. Look at everything. Christ can't be overcome by some author's words unless you want to be overcome by that. And then the desires of your heart are manifest. But be very careful about people who, who caution you on what you can and can't read. Totalitarian religions don't want God to control you with liberty. They want to control you with restrictions on everything. And that brings us to totalitarian churches that are anti-individual. They are anti-unique. In the end, they are anti-you. They do not want you. They want their version of you to exist, not you. You see? And so they want you to think like them, act like them, speak like them, dress like them, worship like them, believe like them. And uh, the more you are conforming to their ways, the more accepted you will be, the less, the more outcast you will stand. That is totalitarianism. Every act, thought, or opinion that is contrary to their culture will be called into question. It will ultimately be ridiculed if it's maintained. You'll be mocked, you'll be rejected, and the end of it will be you, the person, alienated from the flock unless you conform. So it's really convoluted. Just think about this for a minute. On one hand, we rejoice in God's diversity. We, we say, God made us uh, uniquely he wove us together in our mother's womb. I am uniquely made, we say, right? How wonderful that he did that made us so different. Our fingerprints are all unique. Our eyes are all different, right? Our brains, and we all come in different shapes, sizes, and colors. God is so wonderful. But many churches try to erase the individuality with the hope to remake you in their image. Look at the dark power of totalitarianism that have been established in the world, in communism, Nazism, fascism. They all hate individuality. They, almost all of them, when I can think about it, I don't know about communism, but most of them, the fascists in Italy and, and Nazi Germany, they all have uniforms. And, and they love their uniforms and they wear those uniforms, right? Hate individuality. At the end of the day, most corporations do too. And so do most religions. They hate it. The living God made us unique and different. Don't ever let a religion or church tell you 
or sway you to change to be to fit their image. God will change you in the ways he wants by his spirit. So I'm not against change, but that will happen through his spirit, by him, and never through the dark ways of uh, totalitarianism religion. It's really funny, isn't it? The Holy Spirit reaches into individuals' lives, and we are all responsible for God as individuals. And we are all born, with the exception of conjoined twins, as individuals. And we all die as individuals. And we all go before God as individuals. But when we're here on earth, all the institutions want to strip away your individuality. Doesn't that say something to you? Doesn't it tell you how important individuality is, especially in the faith, that people are who they are, honestly, and, and without shame, and they come forward and they are that way without conforming to the ways that men want. I therefore conclude that it is far, far, far more God-honoring to let him fully into your heart and mind while retaining the way he's made you than it is to conform to some system that men and women have created as a means to please them. Far more God-honoring to be who you are. He took the time to create you uniquely. Take the time to remain unique. Finally, totalitarian governments go to great lengths to survey the people who are in their control to make sure that the masses aren't straying outside of the lines that they have established. The communists, of course, they have their uh, KGB and the Nazis have their Gestapo and their SS and Mussolini had his uh, uh, OVRA. Uh, it's an acronym for something I can't pronounce. Every totalistic group have their in-house spies and their rats. Every one of them. Ever feel like you're being vetted by people in the faith? Ever have that come up? Oh, it's so fun. Oh my God. Uh, it's just a constant when I run into people, probably because of the shows that we do. Uh, the constant size up. So, so, it always starts with so, so, so where are you going to church? Are, are, are you going? Shut up. You know, there's a constant size up. What are you, have you come back to the Trinity yet? Shut up, you religious cop. You know, it's just unbelievable. And when you belong to a church community, it can get as bad as the Gestapo when they're trying to figure out who's sinning and who's doing wrong and who's disagreeing with the pastor, how many times they're meeting in their, in their home group. And oh my gosh, so opposite of the freedom that Christ gives us, right? But they're there. When you're part of a totalistic group, this aspect can get really taxing. But policing the faith is vital if the other demands of the group are to be kept. Step back a minute. Look to what God did through his son. He said, it is finished. God ripped the veil in two. Remember, he had the victory for all. 
Remember, you are saved by grace through faith, period. None of the other things, expectations are needed. Remember, the body of Christ is in control of the Holy Spirit, not men and women with false authority. Remember that all the elements of material religion were destroyed by God purposefully, shaken to nothing in 70 AD. And he said, after that, I will write my laws upon the hearts and minds of individuals. The corporate uh, community of churches that's described in the New Testament, no more. We are his. You are who you are. We embrace all these things by faith, that his kingdom is not of this world. It says to me that it doesn't operate the way this world operates. Rejoice in who God made you and in the capacity for him to mold you into the way he wants you to be, not the way men and women want you to be. And at the end of the day, trust that he is refining you because he is, and it's a slow process, exactly the way he wants you to be in this life and in preparation for the next. All right, let's take a look at the comments from last week. And I'm going to go through this. Seth is going to follow along. From which well do we drink from? This is one of the shows that Wendy puts out. She takes a clip from a show and puts it up. It was called, Which Well Do We Drink From? First Round Boxing says, does anyone know the episode where they played the temple footage? It's going back a while. We took the temple uh, footage ones down. One, they could be seen all over the place. Two, I didn't think it was effective in reaching our audience. I thought more uh, Latter-day Saints would tune in to us without that being there, so we took it down. You can find the temple ceremony in other places. Amando Gonzalez talking about the same show, say, I agree, I was given a Book of Mormon as a teen and for years thought the LDS were Christians. I had the two so mixed up, my wife was wondering what in the world? Luckily, she set me straight and I've been working my way out of that thinking for years. In our Milk verse-by-verse teachings on Sundays at 10 o'clock live, you can tune in and watch, uh, we're going through the Book of Romans. There is perhaps no greater book that stands against the LDS doctrines of law uh, being the justification before God than that book. So if you really want to learn what uh, Christianity is all about from the biblical perspective, join us in the book of Romans verse by verse. We're only like two or three uh, in. You can watch those in the archives and then you can join us live or at your leisure um, up to you. Uh, base card collector said the water in the well is our eternal salvation. All right. Thank you very much. And then also commenting first round boxing said, I'm a Christian, but also confused a lot, which is why I love the idea of Christian anarchy. It's okay to be confused. I find the book of Mormon to be a fraud, but there are a lot of LDS beliefs and teachings that stick with me. The Godhead and purpose of life are among the biggest ones. I'm so also deeply in sin. Please pray for me, brothers and sisters, and all those who are seeking truth. Thank you, Sean, for your show, and not dogma, which makes people like me feel accepted, whereas I feel rejected by most other Christians. Currently reading the Bible cover to cover. I'm just finishing 1 Kings. Yo! Uh, that cover to cover uh, thing is tough for a strong Christian. I would suggest, truly, that get the uh, contents of um, 
the New Testament under your belt uh, by the Spirit, and then uh, read the Old Testament and then the New Testament again. However, if you are already in 1 Kings, you've gotten through some tough books and, and you want to go that course, no problem, whatever you want to do. But it just seems like you get more to the heart of the matter in the New Testament and then you get the supplemental supportive material in the Old for what the New Testament presents. But that's just something I just wanted to add there. Moving down, Seth Lee, Rick Rayborn says, if Joe Biden wins, that's the end of America as we know it. It's these kinds of things. It's these types of things, really. The end of America as we know it. Well, I think, I mean, it's debated, but I think he won. And uh, I don't know. America's still here as I know it. And when they said Obama, when he took over, it, it's, you know, it's still America. And we still have voting. We're still doing these things. Now, I've heard from my friend in that cage as to why this isn't the case. And she has her right to those, her opinion. But I just want to say, we're talking about the Lord. And you have to add Rick Rayborn, this comment in the middle of everything. Why? Going on to, I'm not going to read the one from A. Nichols. It's too long. Uh, I'm going to go to Clark Shumway. Apparently, Clark says, you, meaning me, have never read the Book of Mormon. <gasps> so shut up about the truth. You are lying to people because you don't know. And I will tell Brother Clark Shumway that... I read the Book of Mormon many times. I can say several times, at least two or three. I taught the Book of Mormon in early morning seminary to young people for a year. And I think I understood it pretty well. So your assessment is wrong. And I'll just leave it at that. A. Nichols, I will read this one on his interview with Kwaku L. On my interview with Kwaku L. says... At one hour, 35 minutes, and 13 seconds, the question is answered where Kwaku thinks those who reject the LDS faith nicknamed Mormon. I disagree with him. The LDS faith believes each of the three kingdoms are in fact kingdoms of salvation. So when we speak of hell, we speak of it in two meanings. It's a place where people could go temporarily as soon as they die until resurrection and judgment but we do not believe anyone remains there. The second hell is the final destination of a very select few, me, who are considered sons of perdition, who first come out of temporary hell for judgment and resurrection, and then go to a final state and place of hell. We believe almost everyone will be assigned to a kingdom of salvation. That says a lot about the hope offered to all. We place an emphasis on repentance here to allow opportunities to get to choose which kingdom to be a part of. Okay, so thank you for lining that up for us so well, right? Um, and of course, you didn't say that the celestial kingdom and the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, which is the top kingdom, can only be obtained by LDS people who have uh, the highest degree of the celestial kingdom, who have been sealed. 
and that Joseph Smith used to teach that it has to be sealed to more than one wife to get to the highest degree. That everybody else who has not been through the temple can enter the celestial kingdom, but they do not go to the highest realm of it. So that's a caveat you didn't mention in your three system analysis. The second thing you didn't mention is that the terrestrial kingdom, which uh, is going to be the place where Christians go, because the terrestrial kingdom is the place where people who had a belief in Christ but didn't accept the Mormon gospel. Jesus will be able to visit that kingdom, but God the Father never does. Then the third kingdom, created by Joseph Smith's imagination and called the Telestial, is the place where all murderers, liars, adulterers, unrepentant uh, people go. And that that is a kingdom of salvation, as you put it. You're right. That's what you teach. And that apparently, I've never been able to find the source of this. Joseph Smith said, you'll kill yourself just to get to that one. Okay? So these are all glories. And you're right about that. They are all elements of a salvation. But the only real salvation in the, what the Christians would say is a real salvation, meaning you're saved from uh, uh, death, which means separation from God, and living with God the Father, living with God, is the highest degree of this a celestial kingdom. See, that is what the Christians say all salvation is, living with God after this life by Jesus Christ. The Mormons have created their own fiction. And so I would uh, suggest that is very uh, non-biblical, especially is not supported by 1 Corinthians 15. Stephanie Smith says, relative to dismantled and replaced our show last week, we all have the freedom to choose. We may not choose the situation we're in, birthplace, family, we're born into, et cetera, et cetera. But bottom line, we do have free will and can choose to love and faith in God or not. And Stephanie, I applaud you for summarizing that because for some reason, we're going to learn like from old religion dystopia that this, this is not understood, that the circumstances are not our choice, but that how we handle our circumstances are in most cases, right? People made a whole bunch of arguments. Oh, then I'm sure this guy, he chose to be you know, born uh, in Syria, and this, oh, what a terrible argument. You know, Stephanie, you got it right. In the circumstances we're given, we all choose. I am not going to get into old religion dystopia because I had a back and forth with him, but what happened was, and I just want to summarize it for you, on the show, he disagreed because he didn't catch what Stephanie just made clear, and he had some heartburn with it. And so he wrote a big, long thing about it. And relative to what mo most people write, it was a big, long thing. All right. And he also used F words and dick words and things like that in his, in his comments, long comments. This is what I do when I read comments. I start to see how long they are. I glance to see if there's any pejoratives in there or slang or swear words. <clears throat> Once I do that, if I don't see swear words and if name calling, and if I see a logical argument from the beginning that flows, I'll read the whole thing if I'm reading the comments. And I often don't do it. But if I get to slang swear words and, and, and mean things, I don't read them. 
So that's what I did with him. I read pejorative terms and I, I, I read swearing. I also saw that it was long and I said, I'm not going to read it. I don't care how logical your arguments are. If you can't control your fingers from writing effing in a comment, I am not going to spend the time reading what you have to say. So I said on the show, I'm not going to read Old Religion Dystopia. It's a diatribe against me. Now, because I saw the slang words and I saw it was long and it wasn't making logical sense. So he got really mad at that and he got, he wrote something and I said, and he said, against you? It wasn't against you. And I wrote back, listen, when I say it was against me, I mean it's against what I am saying. It's against what I'm, my words are me on this, in this medium. It's against what I am saying. I didn't think it was against me. You don't even know me at all. It's against what I am saying, right? I wrote apologies against you. It seem, I seem to misunderstand you often. I will try to do better in the future to show you respect. Back comes the vitriol. Then comes another ex explanation. Back comes the vitriol. You got a chip on your shoulder. And, and, and it's just endless. So old religion dystopia. You, you jump on me for saying I don't treat you as a brother in Christ. You jump on me if I don't use the correct words with you. You use any words you want toward me. Just let's not comment. Okay? Let's just not comment. Unless we can comment nicefully. Nicefully. Is that such a word? All right. Going on, uh, A. Nichols says, At around 40 minutes on the Kwaku L., the question was raised about whether a person would receive highest degree if they receive the gospel or not in the next life. I want to point out that the LDS belief is that so three kingdoms are considered kingdoms of salvation. So even being in the lowest is considered salvation. That thought alone blows my mind. That thought alone um, uh, is not so mind blowing at all when you look at what the Bible says. You know, the Bible says that he saved the world that the world has been reconciled to God. So I don't know why you needed Joseph Smith to concoct three fictitious kingdoms, uh, one with a bunch of different levels in it, and have your mind blown by that when the Bible clearly teaches that the forgiveness of sin was paid for on the cross by Christ completely. That's not universalism, for those of you who are saying that, but it certainly is that he paid the price, right? And that all are saved from their sin, but they're not saved to the kingdom of God, which is what you are trying to suggest here. So I, I, I don't agree with your thinking on that remark. First round boxing rel relative to dismantled and replaced says, I'm slowly leaving. God, did I go back, jump back to the top? I'm slowly leaving the LDS church, but I have deep LDS kind of beliefs in me. Like God is the father is a man. And when I read scripture, that is what I see all along with a lot of LDS stuff. Thank you for being patient with me and not calling me names and saying I'm going to hell. First round boxing. Listen, you're going to read with those LDS eyes as long as it, 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 until the spirit is opening your eyes to the truth. And then you'll read with those eyes. So the question I have for you is, have you been born again? Have you asked God into your life and to change your heart and to give you new life. That's the key. It doesn't come through a pastor. It doesn't come through a specific prayer. Go to God openly and honestly 
and just pour yourself out. Admit your every failure and say you need him and for him to manifest himself in your life and he'll do it. That's what happened to me. I did it. That's why I am in this ministry because of what he did. He will do it. And, and then that's when you're going to start to see scripture in, in new ways. Paige says, great work, Sean. Uh, okay. Thor Bradshaw on The Vote. We did a show on Christian anarchy called The Vote. First time we've done a show on politics and will be one of the last. Uh, Thor Bradshaw says, hey, one last comment. You're not an idiot if you ever read these comments. We don't have to agree with the outcome of fraud elections. And then Thor Bradshaw said, relative to the vote, I think whoever counts the voters is who will always decide who wins. I agree with this guy about the non-aggression principle, but we are cut off from society because we do not vote, and they vote to infringe our God-given rights as per Declaration of Independence. I am wondering if the Republican kid was speaking of the Whiskey Rebellion, but shh, states are nations in law. Each state has a flag constitution and a national guard. Each state was guaranteed a Republican form of government. The very word in State of the Union address means confederacy. The U.S. federal government is a total fraud. Great vid guys. I have no comment on it. Uh, I will let our youngsters comment on that later. And we'll go from there. Uh, Thor said, man, I like these relative to the conversations we're having in Christian anarchy. Wendy, when are those things being posted? Or Seth, you posted some early last week. Monday, are we always going to do that? Just last week we posted them Monday and Tuesday, but this next week we post them on Fridays, right? You can watch these things. They get posted on Fridays. Check them out because these guys are sharp. They're engaging. They're opinionated. And uh, they have some views that, that are going to help younger people see what it means to be a Christian and what it doesn't. Um, Michael Groenjikir says... U.S., 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 star, 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 Trump. Star, 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 U.S., U.S., U.S. And um, again, like the Biden comment before, we don't need that. If this was a political forum, fine. Why do you do that? You and the other guy. We don't need to do it, Michael. Don't do it. Because every time you do that, if you write another comment like, I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior, someone who didn't like Trump is going to say, man, I'm not going to make my Lord and Savior uh, uh, because of Trump. You see, you can't mix them. Don't mix them. Cap Trouty, whose name I don't appreciate, the vote proves to me how unchristian Americans really are. Trump, and he writes it T-Rump, is as close to an antichrist as I've ever seen. He is the devil incarnate. If you vote for commie Trump, you are not a Christian. What the hell? What is wrong with you people? This is about Christ. I, I just can't believe what you say. I mean, do you just want to divide everybody who comes along your path with one political thing or another? It's just, it's just ridiculous. Bev F. says the audio isn't working. I think Seth fixed it. I don't know. Jim Smith, a relative to the kid, has something to say. 
said, have this conversation today. And Charlie Clark, our last comment for today, says, thank you, Sean, for creating the show. He's talking about Christian anarchy. You should check it out. I feel this is the future of the kingdom, young people. Doing away with all the ancient uh, forefather malarkey and walking all the way in truth and love. And, and I agree with uh, our brother Charlie completely there. These guys are a breath of fresh air. They have minds, they're thinking, and uh, one is very political, one is not. And uh, we just talk through everything, but it's giving people an idea of what it means to be a young Christian in this day and age. And I think they represent it well. All right, we're going to wrap it up from here. Join us either Sundays at 10 and, 10 and 3 o'clock for Milk and Meat or jo join us on Monday night for our short show or join us on Tuesday night for this long show. Write your comments below. If you have questions about anything, look at the links below. Hit the thumbs up button. Subscribe. And I'm not saying anything about voting. <laughs> See you next week on Heart of the Matter.